Romans chapter 1. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. We're started. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the wonderful love that we have in you. Father, we're just so thankful for it. And Father, if we are ungrateful, Father, today I pray you convict us, and I pray that you would help us to remember what it is that you've done for us. Father, it's so wonderful. Your love, it's amazing and truly amazing. And uh, if we thought about it long and hard, Father, we would be just continually grateful. And so I pray that you would help us tonight as we look at your word, help us to trust you, help us to love you even more, and help that affect our relationship with other people. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask you this question. How many of you are feeling that people are divided right now? I asked that question because I thought it was a pretty obvious one to answer, okay? Pretty obvious that people are absolutely divided, okay? Again, there are all kinds of different reasons for that. Uh, We have, you know, mask, unmask, vaccinated, unvaccinated. We have liberals. We have conservatives. We have Green Party. We have NDP. We have PPC. We've got all these different things, right? All kinds of different reasons why people are divided, but here is the, the, the reality of it. Divisions happen when two people or groups of people are on different sides of an issue. Can we all agree to that definition? Divisions happen when two people or groups of people are on different sides of the issue. I want you to think about it like this. Football. Okay? Football. The issue is the ball. All right? This is the issue. There is one team called the offense, and that team is using the ball. How are they using the ball? They are using the ball to their advantage. They are using it to their advantage, and they are using it to progress further and further down the field. The other team on the, guess what, other side of the ball or the other side of the issue They are called the defense. The defense. And what are the defense doing? They are trying to stop the offense from progressing down the field. So what what are they doing about the issue? Well, they are trying to stop the ball. They are trying to hit the ball. They are trying to do everything they can possibly do to keep the ball from advancing down the field. And guess what? Both teams will take out whomever they have to in order to progress or to stop. They will do whatever they have to do. Now, let's apply football to everyday life. Can you not see this happening? People are doing whatever they have to do in order to progress the issue. And people are doing whatever they have to do in order to stop the issue. Constantly happening. Divisions are happening both sides. Listen, they are on opposite sides of the ball. And so what happens is they are on opposite sides of the issue. Both are trying their level best to have their preferred outcome. In football, it's more points on the board. They are both trying their level best. So let me ask, who is the winner in a football game? Usually, who's ever smarter, stronger, and faster? I'm telling you right now, I played football (laughs) in grade four, five, and six. 
If we were to play against an NFL team, even the Detroit Lions, okay, if you were to play against any NFL team, guess what? We would lose. Because why? They're faster, they're smarter, they're stronger. So what team wins? The faster, smarter, stronger one. Now hang on. Let's think about it this way. What if everyone, what if every player on the field, 22 players on the field, what if every one of them was on offense? What if every one of them was on offense? How many touchdowns would the offense score? They're uninhibited. There is no other side. There is just one constant moving forward offense. They would score a ton. It would be the highest scoring game in the history of the NFL. Well, you think, yeah, nobody's there to stop them. Nobody is there in defense. To be honest with you, it would be kind of a boring game, wouldn't it? Be kind of a boring game. It would be, let, let's put it this way, it would be such a peaceful game. It would be such a peaceful game. There wouldn't be any more division. There wouldn't be any more hits. There wouldn't be any more struggles at the line of scrimmage. There wouldn't be any quarterbacks with bruised thighs, shoulders, broken arms. There would be none of that. Because there would be one mission, one goal. That might sound pretty silly to you. But the division, or but division, is exactly what we are seeing in our world today. And the funny thing is, it's not just one side and another. There's people coming in off the sidelines fighting over the ball. People that you thought you knew who the enemy was, and you're finding out that there's far, far different things going on. We have people on offense. We have people on defense. But again, let me ask you, what would happen if we were all on the same page? What, what would happen if we were all on offense? Man, it would be something spectacular. Look at Romans chapter 1, look at verse 7 with me. We finished up to verse 6 last week. The Bible says this in verse 7. To all that be in Rome, he's telling to whom he's writing, Beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. I want to start this evening by specifically looking at verse 12. Once again, let's read verse 12. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Let me ask you this question. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions tonight, right? 
how comforting are divisions? How comforting are they? I'm going to tell you right now, if my wife and I are having a division, it's not very comforting. The old saying, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. It's not very comforting. It's not very loving. It's not very kind. Listen, there is always an unsettling feeling about divisions and confrontations. I remember playing sports and getting ready to play the game. And there was this unsettled feeling in the stomach, in the pit of my stomach. What's going to happen? Who's going to be better? Who's going to win the game? There's this unsettling feeling. But look at what Paul is directing us to. He is directing us to this comfort. And that comfort is based on, watch, a mutual faith. A mutual faith. This is getting on the same side of the issue. The same side of the ball. Do you think everyone in Rome was lovable? Come on. Really? I mean, everybody in St. Thomas is lovable, right? And Rome was much bigger than St. Thomas was. And so surely everybody would be lovable. No, everybody was not lovable. Do you think that anyone in Rome was disagreeable? Absolutely. Do you think that anyone was wrong in Rome? Well, yeah, we'll find out a little bit about that later. Perhaps... Some of these things are true, but listen, Paul did not focus on the individual efforts in his opening address. He focused on the one thing that mattered, the one thing they all had in common. And what is that? Let's look back at verse 5. He says this, by whom? We have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Do you know how many times Jesus Christ is mentioned in these four verses? A lot. I didn't count them. But almost every verse has one mention of Jesus Christ or it refers to Jesus Christ. And in the end, he says that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. He talks about verse 5, the faith that you have. He continues to point us back to the faith that they had in common. The unity of the faith. The unity of their faith. So many times, listen to me, so many times we forget who is on the, across the other side of the line from us. We forget who's on the other side of the line for us. We forget that they're saved. Let, let me be honest with you. You may disagree with somebody on who you voted for, but here's the reality. Some of them are probably saved. We forget that they are born again Bible-believing, God-fearing, God-following, people that love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. We forget that. And what happens is we make them an enemy. We make them absolutely and utterly the enemy and say, listen, because you messed up, 
because you did something wrong, because you, again, fill in the blank, then you are my enemy. So do these people mess up sometimes? Yeah, but so do you. Do they make poor decisions sometimes? Yeah, but so do you. Do they say things they shouldn't say? Yes. Do they do things that they shouldn't do? Yes. But here's the reality. They are children of God. And here in Rome, Paul's trying to say, listen, I realize that we have a mutual faith. I realize that we have a mutual Lord and Savior. And that's Jesus Christ. So what's Paul saying? We're all on the same team. We're all on the same team. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean you have to spend all your time with them and let them influence you, especially if they're in the habit of making very poor decisions. But listen, there is a difference between not spending a ton of time with somebody and treating them like your enemy. We'll talk about people who preach wrong doctrine. We'll talk about people who are teaching another gospel. We'll talk about those people. But here's the reality. We forget that we have a mutual faith. Listen, don't get caught up in, listen, trivial issues of the day. Trivial. Again, we will always have to make decisions for ourselves. We will always have to make decisions for how we're going to vote. We're going to have to make decisions for ourselves and our families. But listen, we don't have to make World War III out of any of them. So make sure you keep, as our missionary said this morning, the main thing, the main thing. Jesus Christ and his gospel. So let me ask you this question. What do people who are on the same team do to stay unified? What do people who are on the same team do to remain unified? To make sure that they keep the main thing, the main thing. Well, number one, they are thankful. They are thankful. Look at verse 8 with me. First, interestingly enough, Paul outlined this for me. Look what he says. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ, I love this, for you all. For you all. Listen, Paul with a clear conscience. Paul with a clear conscience, was able to write down in Scripture that he thanked God for every single one of them. Now I refer you back to your answer that you gave not just five minutes ago. Was everyone lovable? Was anyone disagreeable? I refer you back to that because Paul is saying, I am thankful for them all. Now let me ask you, are you thankful for the person who believes differently than you do on COVID? Uh-oh. Let me ask that again. Are you thankful for the person that believes differently than you on COVID? Are you thankful for the person who believes differently than you do on vaccines? Are you thankful? Are you thankful for the person who believes differently than you do on the color of the carpet? Uh, that's a silly example. Are you thankful for that? Are you thankful for the person who believes differently than you do on your choice of music? Listen, I can tell you something right now. I like bluegrass music. 
My wife does not <laughs> at all. And so here we are, we, we might as well just get divorced because we don't like the same music. Listen, you say that's ridiculous, but that is what happens in churches. Because we don't like something, we think it should be done differently. And listen, the list could go on and on and on and on. Please don't misunderstand me. If the Bible is against it, we should be against it. If the Bible is for it, we should be for it. But don't get caught up in these trivial issues of the day. We're on the same team. So how do you be thankful for someone that is different than you? How do you be thankful for someone who is different than you? Number one, realize their role in the gospel. Did you hear me say that? Realize their role in the gospel. Think about this. You have to find out what their role is in the gospel. Be intentional about finding something good. It comes naturally to every one of us. Don't you dare lie to yourself. It comes natural to every one of us to think badly about somebody. It does. I can think badly about every one of you without trying. Okay, it just, it's easy. And so what do we have to do? We have to be intentional about finding something good in someone. It's going to take some work. <laughs> some more than others. But we have to be intentional about finding that good. It's going to take some determination. Let's, let's be real. There are probably people that you don't like that potentially are a good witness. You think, no way. There is no way that that person could ever be a witness for Jesus Christ. In their workplace. It's just not going to happen. I know them well enough. The reality is you probably don't, number one. Number two, they probably could be a good witness if you were thankful for them and encouraged them instead of cutting them down. Find something to be thankful for. If you will, an old saying is show an attitude of gratitude. And Paul, I don't know how, but look what he says he's thankful for. He says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Their faith was spoken of throughout the whole world. They had a good testimony. They had a good testimony. Find something to be thankful for. If you can't find something to be thankful for, number two, pray for them. Pray for them. I'm going to say it again. Pray for them. Look at verse 9. For God is my witness. I love this because like, if you're saying God is my witness, this is a pretty serious thing that he's about to say. And he means it. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Verse 10, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. So he says, I pray for you always. I pray for all of you. I make mention of you always in my prayers. And so notice, notice please, this is not a one-time prayer. 
Most of us say, well, I, I completed the course that I was supposed to do. I prayed for them once. And it was, God, please help them to get in a car accident and die. Okay? Don't pray that way. Don't pray that way. Pray for them constantly and consistently. Pray for them. How about starting to tell by asking God, God, I want to be thankful for them. Show me something to be thankful for. How about beginning by saying, God, would you please bless them today as they go to work or as they go about their day? Ask God to help them grow closer to him. Oh, yeah. That's not, now I can get, God, they're wrong. No, no, that's not what he said. God, would you please help them to grow closer to you today? Ask God to give them wisdom. Ask God to give them opportunities to share the gospel. Ask God to keep them safe. Listen, the list could go on and on and on and on of things that we could pray for, but pray for them. Pray for them. Matthew chapter 5, in verse 43, the Bible says this, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. We like that. We like to be kind to those who are kind to us. We like the people that are in our Facebook feed because that's the people that we're friends with. Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. And do good unto them that hate you. And oddly enough, he says, and pray for them which despitefully use you, use you, and persecute you. Why? Verse, verse 45 says this, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Do you know what you're doing when you're praying? Do you know what you're doing when you're blessing them? Do you know what you're doing when you do good unto them? You're getting on the same side of the ball. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Why? For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. You're saying, listen, I'm not going to make this petty little thing an issue. I'm not going to create a new ball. I'm going to step back and I'm going to pray for them and make the main thing the main thing. The gospel still needs to go forth and God can still use them. And I'm still going to pray that God would use them and I'm still praying that they would have wisdom and that they would make good choices and that God would bless them richly. Listen, and what will happen is you will begin to change. And you'll be putting yourself on the right side of the ball. Pray for them. Number three. And finally, and I may even finish early tonight for you. Number three is spend time with them. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Look at verse 10. He says, making request. If by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God. Watch, to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, 
Some of you are thinking, I'd love to impart some spiritual gift to that person. To the end, ye may be established. Verse 12, that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Paul was really looking forward to spending some time with these Roman believers. He was really looking forward to it. He had prayed for them, and he was extremely thankful for them. By the way, let me give you some advice. Don't spend time with them until you have prayed for them and you are thankful for them. Listen to this. Don't spend time with them until you have prayed for them and you are thankful for them. Because what happens is you go, you'll say, I'll go spend time with that person. And what happens is that animosity, that anger is still there. You have not allowed God to deal with it. And what happens is it blows up even more. And you say, that didn't work. Don't spend time with them until you pray for them and you're thankful for them. Paul is going in to see them. And he was going to impart a spiritual gift unto them. And he was going to further establish them in their faith. Listen, it was not a destructive visit. It was an encouraging visit. It was not a destructive visit. It was a constructive visit. It was not something to tear them down and tell them all that's on your mind and give them a piece of your mind, which I love that term because none of us have a piece to give. So it was not a destructive conversation. This was an instructive. This was a constructive. This was an encouraging conversation, an encouraging visit. Remember, it was a visit to help them grow spiritually. It was a visit with intention. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you were intentional about visiting someone? When was the last time you were intentional about visiting someone? And I don't just mean intentional to be give them what you want. But I mean intentional to spiritually encourage them. I'll be honest with you. I think the majority of the time we visit just to, to fellowship. But Paul in Philippians chapter 1, Paul's visit is not just to fellowship with them. Paul's visit is to fellowship with them around the gospel. Their mutual faith. I've said this before, and I'll probably say it again, and I'll probably say it after this. But if we cannot visit and spend time around the gospel as church members, as Bible-believing Christians, as people who know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, if we cannot visit around the gospel, how in the world are we going to share the gospel to people who don't want to hear it? So guess what? You have to be intentional about it. Well, it might be awkward at first. Be intentional. Be intentional about it. So often, we are discouraging or critical. 
oh, maybe not to that person, but we get in our little echo chamber. We become discouraging and critical. Our visits turn into gossip sessions about how bad that one person is. But we must remember the main thing. Listen, if I'm playing sports, and I remember this, we would talk about the other team. We would call them a bunch of sissies. They think they're tough, but they're a bunch of sissies. Bunch of babies. In fact, if we score one goal, they'll probably start crying and run to their mommy, right? Listen, you think that's ridiculous. How childish that is. But here's the reality. What we were doing is we were pumping ourselves up for this game. We were trying to get ourselves in the mindset that we can defeat them. Listen to me. That's exactly what we do to other Christians. We think that we're something special. We think that we've got something that they don't have, that we are better than they are. And what do we do? We begin pumping ourselves up and saying, they got nothing. They're a bunch of losers. Do you know what they did to me? And it becomes this gossip session. Listen, this is not about you. We just talked about this in our small, small group. Let each esteem other better than themselves. That goes against the complete opposite of sports. Can you imagine if playing soccer, I always played left fullback or sweeper, defense. If I followed the Bible in sports, you know what would happen? Somebody would be coming down the field with the ball, and I'd say, you go right ahead, sir. Okay, listen, we are not, listen, we are not in a soccer game. In fact, we are not playing games. This focus is so important that people have died for it. Over and over and over again. And there's an old song that there are people just playing games at the foot of the cross. And listen, I don't know if Rome, we're going to get there. I don't know if Rome was playing any games. I don't know if they were doing anything wrong. But this I do know. Paul was thankful. Paul had prayed for them. And Paul wanted to spend time with them. And so as we look at our lives, and as we look at the gospel, remember, the gospel is for everyone. Jesus died for everyone. Won't it be a surprise when we get to heaven and that person we so despised on this earth is standing there? That person that we just couldn't seem to get along with is standing there. Listen, we'll be perfect then. And I'm thankful for that. But let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What mind is that? The one that esteemed other better than himself. The goal at Bible Baptist Church is to seek Christ and share hope. Let me say that again. The goal, the vision, is to seek Christ and to share hope. Let me be very clear. 
The goal of Bible Baptist is not to keep you happy. I'm serious about that. The goal of Bible Baptist Church is not to keep you happy. Because you can't please everybody, right? All of us just think, well, just please me. That's not the goal of Bible Baptist Church. The goal of Bible Baptist is not to keep church a specific way. That's not our goal. Our goal is not to keep church the way it's always been. The goal of Bible Baptist is not to be a mask or anti-mask church. That's not the goal. The goal of Bible Baptist is not to be a generationally divided church. Be very clear. That is not the goal of Bible Baptist. The goal of Bible Baptist is to seek Christ and to share his hope. To seek Christ and to share his hope. Paul was so excited to be able to do this with the Roman Christians. Paul was pumped. I can almost feel the joy jumping off the page. I'm excited to see you. I'm thankful for you. I've prayed for you. I'm coming to see you. He was so glad that very soon he would be with them, spending time with them, and being comforted by their mutual faith. Please, please understand me. Don't allow yourself to get on the other side of the issue. Don't create more issues. Don't do it. Deny yourself and say, listen, it's not, what, it's not about what I believe. Listen to me, it's about what God wants. It's about what God wants to accomplish. And so if I, if I stand in the way of that, and I am hindering the work of God. And you know what Jesus said to the people who hindered the work of God? He said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. When we stand in the way, that's exactly what we're doing. We're allowing Satan to use us. We're allowing Satan to get in front of us. The gospel must be paramount. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel of Jesus Christ ought to be much bigger to us than these trivial, petty things that are going on in the world. And listen, I want to encourage you with this. If you're struggling with it, if, you, if it's been a week or two and you just can't get over it, then you've got to talk to somebody about it. And do not talk to somebody who can't do anything about it. That's gossiping. Talk to somebody who can do something about it. So maybe that's going to that person and saying, listen, I've been struggling with this and I just can't get over it. I'm trying. Would you please help me? Would you please help clear some things up? It's so funny. And my sister will kill me for saying this. But she has come to me with what I believe are such petty things and said, listen, Johnny, I've tried to get over this, but I can't get over it. I said, Chrissy, I did not mean it that way. Okay, good. I just needed to hear you say that. And guess what? To this day, we have an awesome relationship because we've not let the little things get in our way. The gospel needs to be paramount. And Paul had that here with the Roman church. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day. Father, please convict us. Father, I am just as much in need of conviction as any person here. 
because so often I let my beliefs and my petty desires get in the way of what you're trying to do. And so, Father, I beg you, please help me to see opportunities to share the gospel. Help me not to have any respect of persons. Father, help me to be clear, open, and honest with you every single day of my life. Father, help me to keep the main thing the main thing, and that's your gospel. That's you and what you're trying to do here in this world. Father, I pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. For each of these people that listen to this tonight, Father, I pray you would convict us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name.